I don't want to spoil it. So I'm Michael Marinello. And I'm Robert Mathers. This week, we're listening to Temperamental by Everything But The Girl. Get your Drakkar Noir. We're going clubbing. <laughs> um, uh, are we in the groove? Did you drop the needle? More swing and a little bit of scotch, I think is what you're looking for, right? It's time for the Radio Free Jersey Record Club. How are you, Robert? (coughs) I'm just fine, thank you. It's a little smoky here in this club. (laughs) Exactly. After a long night of of, uh, dancing, grooving, and getting up on people and smoking cigarettes, Back then, inside yes. of a club, now yeah. outside of a club, we're uh, <laughs> I wonder, it's a long night. I wonder if club kids today, uh, not that I was ever one of them, but I wonder right. if club kids today uh, actually do go outside to smoke. I mean, I wonder, mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling that um, the young folks don't smoke anymore. So I, I just realized something, Robert, that we may have already, not that we have any trouble doing this, but we may have already aged ourselves to do, do, do uh, millennials today or 20 year olds or, or teenagers, like teenagers that would go to clubs when you could go to clubs, even know what Dracar Noir is. Do people wear Dracar Noir is, you know, did that die with the uh, North Jersey Guidos of the mid nineties? <laughs> you know, I have a feeling that it's one of those, uh, I'll bet you if you looked it up on Instagram or, or TikTok or something that they probably would be aware of it because it's such a, a permeating joke. Right. Right. But, uh, I, you know, I'm, but should I'm we explain what it probably, is? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Should we explain what it was or that, is? And I'm also guessing that we probably should, uh, you know, to update it, you know, it's probably been replaced by Axe body spray. Ooh, uh, and equally, <laughs> that's like uh, from that from the movie Anchorman. Uh, that's exactly. like Sex Panther, you know, <laughs> really stings the nostrils. So, yes, 64 <laughs> percent uh, of the time it works 100 percent of the time. <laughs> so to uh, to to Robert's point, uh, Dracar Noir was a um, very pungent. Um, kind of uh, cologne, men's body spray. All right, cologne. Uh, In the time, it was just cologne because that's all we had. We didn't have, you know. We didn't. uh, I think this is probably where the concept, now that you say it, this is probably where the concept of body spray came from because in the, like in our grandfather's era and our parents' era, Cologne was something that you you spritzed a little uh, like on your neck, you know, right. and 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 you, and, you know, uh, and it was not meant to. You weren't. It was not supposed to enter the room before you. And people shouldn't <laughs> be able to smell you. You coming down the hall. Now, there's some cologne that was very very powerful. I'm thinking back to a uh, a principal we had in junior high school yeah. and, and, oh, yeah. and and middle school who. Yep. Uh, I, I don't even know what he wore because I was never much of a, a, a you know cologne person. But you know right. he had so this Dracar Noir, like you were saying. I think guys would not just do a little spritz; they would like right. spray it and then like so. There's a cloud like you're walking through Macy's at the when you could right. Mm-hmm. There's a cloud of that in your room. And you walk through it. That's how you had to do it. It was right. supposed to just get on everything. Yep, um, exactly. And it never really yeah. came out. Of, I guess, I don't know, was it supposed to, I don't know what the point was. I wore it a handful of times <laughs> at, at a <laughs> girlfriend's work? suggestion. Um, uh, you know, and uh, listen, I tell you, I, I, I will admit to in the late 80s, early 90s, wearing Dracar Noir and 
uh, Z Cavaricci pants, mm-hmm. uh, tapered at the bottom, yep. uh, pegged, I believe, yep. with uh, black. God, they were uh, they wouldn't have been penny loafers, but some sort of black shoe, possibly yep. a boot, or even the black Reebok sneakers at the yeah. time. And then a waiter jacket. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you were you were you were out. You're good for the night. So. It was uh, it was North Jersey in the in the early nineties. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that is a very 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 radio free Jersey and very long intro to what we are going to talk about today, <laughs> which is the album Temperamental by Everything But the Girl. Now the reason why we uh, went all down that road was because we. Uh, the, this album is, you know, primarily a club dance music album. A lot of uh, remix songs, a lot of what now would be called EDM. At the time, it was called either trip hop or uh, drum and bass. Uh, very synthesized, programmed drum beats uh, with a, a woman singing over it. So that's why we went off on this long jag about uh, <laughs> clubs and club life and our experience our north jersey milieu of you know late 80s early 90s uh you know uh, the people that would frequent clubs and the people we that grew up in our town so uh, apologies for that long but i think some of you are probably enjoying the yet yet again robert and, and michael go off on another tangent upon tangent upon tangent so <laughs> and you're trying and you out there are trying to picture us um in, in that in that look, uh, but I don't think you know we didn't document everything in photographs back then <laughs> the way we do now. <laughs> yes, some things are better left to one's imagination. Trust me. <laughs> and this was so, an album that um, I had never heard. I was somewhat familiar with the band. Mm-hmm. Or the act, um, but I, I had uh, never. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit, but I had not heard this record. So this was a, this was a brand new, what I thought was a brand new discovery for me. There were a couple of songs that, I, as I heard them, I went, "Oh, okay, I have heard these before, right. uh, not in clubs, right?" Yeah. Um, but let's dive in. So this is this is your this was your pick. What yep. made you pick it? Um, I had just, I don't know how I came upon it or started listening to it, or maybe it was just suggested on Spotify. Cause you know, like everything we do today, we're controlled by, you know, nameless, faceless corporations that make suggestions that are probably pushing me in a certain direction. Uh, and that's another podcast for another day, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but I had heard one of the songs, um, or mention of one of the songs. I'm like, oh, I've been listening to Temperamental. So I, I listened to it and it just like, oh, you know what? This would be a good change of pace for the rec- record club. Let's, why don't we dive in and, and uh, spend some time with it? I, I have, as we'll get into, I have a very uh, specific introduction to it and uh, a, a time in my life where I listen to it a lot. So uh, we'll get there. So uh, why don't we start with the stats as mm-hmm. we always do? Uh, the name of the album is Temperamental. It's by a band called Everything But The Girl. It was released on 27 September 1999. The band is from England, so I'll refer to it in the English way of 27 September and not September 27th, as us ugly Americans like to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was the 10th and final album uh, from the band. Uh, the previous album they released before it was 1996 Walking Wounded. Um, and a little bit of uh, additional information on everything but the girl. It's basically a duo uh, uh, of Tracy Thorne, 
lead singer, occasionally, occasionally played guitar. And Ben Watt uh, was mostly started out as a guitarist, but eventually moved to keyboards, producer, DJ, uh, and did a little, little bit of singing. Um, and uh, so the band itself had been around since the early 80s. They were formed, uh, they were both students at Hall University in England. They both had released solo albums prior to working together. Uh, their first release was in, I want to say, 82 or 83. They did a kind of very jazzy version of uh, Night and Day um, with just her on vocals and him playing kind of a jazzy Django Reinhardt style guitar. Um, and uh, like I said before, this was their 10th album release. And for those uh, music nerds who want to know uh, the saying, everything about the girl that the band comes from, there was a local furniture shop in Hull where they uh, where they formed that said, if you're looking to furnish a bedroom or you're looking for bedroom furnishings, we'll provide everything but the girl was their kind of uh, slogan. Very cheeky. So, exactly. Very, very English and very cheeky. So, yes. Uh, and so the album itself, let's, let's jump into that a little bit. It was produced by Ben Watt and... Uh, he was kind of the, the primary producer, but also at this point, and we'll get into it a little bit later, uh, that they uh, had a bunch of extra DJs and remixes and uh, guest DJs uh, and guest producers. So Andy Bradfield, Deep Disc, DJ Magic, Dan, uh, Danny J, etc., all did parts of songs. But the you know the main thrust of it and the main uh, production of it is is Ben Watt. Uh, the track listing: first side was Five Fathoms, second song Low Tide of the Night, third song Blame, fourth Hatfield 1980, uh, fifth Temperamental, side two if, uh, if we're going record <laughs> version is uh, Compression, then Downhill Racer, Lullaby of Clubland, No Difference, and the future of the future stay gold. That's with uh, Deep Dish on it as well. And let's just do some charts. It primarily charted as a, you know, in the dance and remix world, a bunch of singles, a bunch of releases uh, that were, you know, basically or 12 inches that would be played at clubs for people to dance to. So that, uh, again, gets us back to why uh, we said it was uh, we were going to put on our direct car noir and go mm -hmm. clubbing there. So the, the charting of this record was was pretty interesting that it, it did much better worldwide than it did in the United States. Yep. And like you said, had, had a, you know, had some of the, those dance, you know, when, when that was a, 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 a chart that, that people, uh, that people really, you know, kind of looked at, I thought that was right. particularly interesting because I'm still, I don't know how I came across it. Well, I think I know how I, I came across <laughs> these guys, but it was after the fact. I mean, I may have heard, uh, Hatfield 1980 on, on the radio. Mm -hmm. Possibly. Yep. Um, but I'm, I can't for the life of me, it might've been KTU, uh, mm -hmm. uh, around 99, um, right. as I was starting to work with them. So listening. Yes. Yes. So, um, what, uh, what I think we'll, we'll, again, we'll get into this, uh, as well. This was kind of, it was fitting in a way that it was their kind of last release because they had started as primarily a, a band that was just kind of a jazzy, soul lounge combo of just a, a, a female chanteuse singer with a guy playing guitar in the background. And they slowly evolved and slowly evolved and slowly evolved over their career until they got to two albums before this, they started to involve other DJs, people remixing things. And again, we'll get into it in a little bit more detail. And the previous album, Walking Wounded, was their first step where they kind of fully embraced this new modern uh, dance type feel EDM trip hop 
type of feel. And, uh, and this was kind of the culmination of it where it was like almost a fully, you know, uh, all the songs are just uh, bathed in it, uh, you know, electronic beats, uh, and the like. So, um, for the band itself, it was kind of the end of a, of a long journey and a metamorphosis into almost a completely different band than, mm. than how they started out. So, and I, you know, I'll, I'll go into a little bit more detail there. Um, up until probably the early 90s, they were still in that kind of uh, jazz lounge uh, type singer-songwriter, acoustic guitar, and female voice. And in 1994, the uh, the lead singer, Tracy Thorne, appeared on as a guest, vocal, guest vocalist on Massive Attack song Protection, from mm-hmm. the first song from the album, also called Protection. And Massive Attack was kind of one of the first bands to include or, or go out into the world of trip hop. And that kind of set the stage for that. Uh, soon after that, they released their album, um, Amplified Heart. On that album, there was a kind of a, a song, an initial release of the song, which is in their kind of same mode called Missing. And later on, that that song was released and uh, remixed by, uh, who is it, Todd Terry to m- a much more EDM styled, much more beat heavy. And Missing is probably one of their bigger, quote unquote, hits. Uh, and uh, I remember it, my introduction to it was, was played as kind of a way to break up one of the Night at the Roxbury scenes, where <laughs> it's usually uh, Will Ferrell, you know, and Chris Kattan jumping into people to... Uh, I don't even know who sings the song. What is love? What yeah. is love? Uh, um, some boys and, or But at one yeah. of the intervals, they played that song, which is uh, basically the refrain is, I miss you like the desert missed the rain. And you could hear, uh, and it's just kind of played over a, a kind of slinky uh, uh, EDM type type of beat. Um, so that was in, a, in the mid-90s, 1994, 95. In 96, they come out with an album called The Walking Wounded, which pretty much stepped them into uh, deeper into the world of electronica and trip hop. And this album, 1999, was full full on uh, moving into that world. So, uh, Robert, you want to start with your personal connections to this album? How, how, how you found it? How, how you... Uh... Yeah, I found it because you said we were going to do it on this on this uh, on this show. Exactly. So that's how I found it. I have uh, instantly kind of I love Tracy Thorne's voice. Yeah, indeed. So now, how did you get into them? Yeah, so um, I, I, like I said before, I had I had kind of knew of them more than I knew them from the the missing uh, the song missing like desert Mr. the rain, um, and uh, uh, it where I kind of jumped in was my friend uh, Bill Gillis, who I think uh, would love to I'd love to try to get him on the show. He had put a, he made a mix for me in early two thousand. Um, with the song Hatfield 1980 on it. And uh, back then when I he used to make cassette tape mixes and I used to just listen to them every commute into work and back and forth if I went for a walk somewhere. So I listened to that song probably a hundred times uh, in, in the span of a month and loved it and decided to buy the album. Now, fast forward to uh, the summer of 2000, I... I bought the CD and I had it in my car and uh, my sister-in-law or my soon to be sister-in-law at the time, um, she had borrowed my car and she found that CD and started playing it. And she had just like, Oh man, that everything but the girl album is awesome. I love it. I listen to it all the time. And to be honest, I hadn't really listened to much more than, um, 
maybe the first song and Hatfield 1980 when I listened to it. But when she was glowing about it and saying, like, I listened to it over and over again when I when I borrowed your car and I loved it, I, it made me jump back in and get into it. So in, you know, I want to say October, November of 19, uh, to the year 2000, I was listening to that album over and over again. So for every 2000, 2001, I heard it all the time, uh, really dug the album, really kind of jumped in. And then I started going back. I bought um, both Amplified Heart and... Um, uh, walking wounded as well to kind of, uh, and that was kind of, uh, where as deep as I had gotten into it. And I, I would go back and listen to it every once in a blue moon after that. But that was kind of, uh, you know, it was 20 years ago where I, you know, I really kind of jumped into it and kind of, uh, went through a everything but the girl phase as mm-hmm. it were. So, uh, but yes, same thing with you. Uh, you know, I think you, Anybody who's listened to the old show, this show, will will be able to tell. We Robert and I have certain uh, we're suckers for certain types of things, and uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, brunettes uh, singing brunettes is certainly one of them that yes. we're both very uh, weak to. So. Uh, and uh, you know, women singing in pain, you know, singing <laughs> singing their pain, wearing their wearing their their pain on their 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 hard sleeves. I think is. Um, you know, is, is part of that. So from a, uh, a tracking perspective, yeah. let's move into that. Do you think this album is trackable? Oh, for sure. I've, I've probably since we started this and, and again, to remind everybody, we uh, basically at the beginning of a week say, all right, this is the album we're going to do. And you have a week to basically do your research, listen to it. Since we started, uh, since we said that last week and started listening to it, I've probably listened to this song back uh, front to back. 50 times, mm-hmm. 60 times. Uh, and I, you know, I really, really enjoy it. I can now in the, a certain respect, uh, some of it can fade into the background a little bit. You don't have to basically, it's not like listen to a Bob Dylan album where I have to say, Oh, did he just say that? Did he, <laughs> did he mention that? What, what was he saying there? Uh, so sometimes you can just, you know, you, you, you can kind of gloss over the lyrics and just kind of be swept away by the music and the beat. But other times it's it's great to kind of go back and, and listen to the lyrics. But without a doubt, I think it it uh, there's a very it's a very uh, it's a very complete musical statement, and I love to listen to it. Uh, I love to track it. I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, I, I, on all of those fronts, it's one of the things I love about this style of music. Um, uh, I'm on the very low end of the spectrum of uh, dyslexia, when I need to concentrate on something, um, that I, I would listen to classical music because there were no, without you know no opera, but but straight out classical music um, because I could the, the music would help me focus. I can't work with. Um, Oddly enough, I work in podcasting and yet I can't like do other work uh, and listen to a podcast uh, unless it's unless it's very, you know, unless I'm just doing some data entry or, or you know, but if I'm writing or something like that, yeah. uh, the lyrics Anytime you need to, to do any sort of reading comprehension. I'm the same way. I have to it has to be something musical that I can kind of tune out the lyrics. To. Right. But if it's something if I'm doing work on a spreadsheet. Um, then I can then either a podcast or listen to, you know, right. I just go do listen to some Bob Dylan visions of your <laughs> Exactly. But I, but this, this sort of bridge, you know, this style of music sort of bridges it. So in, exactly. for that reason, I consider, um, temperamental, a very trackable album. 
like you said, you can sort of set it and forget it, but you can drop in uh, to it. And, um, uh, you know, and, and, and so I, and I did that, right? I, I, you know, took a lot of walks or as we do with this, with the, as we do the research for this, as we ex- do go through the experience rather. Yep, um, exactly. I did sort of just isolate myself for about an hour or so and, and, and listen to the record several times. Um, so again, it's some, I didn't feel the urge to skip, um, yeah. but I don't hear a cohesive, like you would with other record albums. I don't hear a co- cohesive sequencing. Right. Like to me, I think the sequencing could have been, could, could be mixed up and it really wouldn't matter. Um, sure. Sure. I, so I don't get a, a, an overarching story, which is fine. Aside from there's a lot of disparate heartbreak and, and, and <laughs> longing, you know, but I, yes. I do like the fact that you can, uh, you can get lost in this. Right. So that will lead us naturally to our next section, which is music and lyrics. And Robert, you already touched on it. And I will say the same. (laughs) It is a very, I'm very conflicted about this album for the following reason. It is a super upbeat, upbeat, you know, 150 beats per minute uh, uh, songs all over the place. But every single song, if you stop and look at the lyrics, um, is about loss, breakup, uh, you know, getting away from a bad relationship, but maybe adoption, uh, getting knifed and, you know, getting jumped, uh, just a heartbreaking lyrics and, you know, bad things happening, but kind of glossed over with a, with a good sheen, a danceable beat, a, you know, a, a, a good keyboard part or a good, hook. which is the brilliant, I mean, which is what we love about art is that yep. you can, you know, you might get hooked by the hook or the tune or or a particular phrase, and then it forces you to kind of dig deeper and get into to a lot of these you know themes. I think if there's one overarching theme, though, uh, besides this disparate heartbreak, um, it's definitely an English album. Uh, make mm-hmm. no mistake that any of this, uh, you know, I love the phrasing in, in songs that we'll get into. Uh, specific. Mm-hmm. I really do. Uh, I actually felt a little cold when yeah. listening to this record. There's a little sure. bit of that English chill, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I got a little tan standing out in the English rain, mind you. <laughs> so, Without a doubt. And, and that's the thing. It is, you know, the ultimate... Um, you know, when you think of the English in general, you know, stiff upper lip and, you know, just kind of grinding through world wars and being attacked, it is very much that as well. It is, um, yeah, that my life is falling apart. I'm, you know, uh, somebody's cheating on me or, you know, I'm in a bad relationship, but you know what? I'm, I just want to bury it all and either go out, go drinking, go out to a club, go walk at night do something else to forget about it. So there's, there's, there's that at work too. There's, there's a lack of ability to kind of uh, deal with emotions and deal with kind of the negativity mm-hmm. that's around there that I, I do think, and I agree with you that it's a, it's a, it's a British, uh, it certainly is a British music trait. Uh, I will say that. So diving in here. Sure. Sure. Let's go. Um, five fathoms. Um, Five Fathoms, I believe, comes from a Shakespeare. I don't know if it's a play or a poem. The uh, it's a you know basically a reference to to drowning and uh, and diving in five fathoms uh, worth of water. Um, 
But, you know, basically I always took it as, you know, my take on the, the song and what I get is, a, a, you know, basically nothing's going on at their, their home, their house, wherever. So they want to go out and be out in the city and, and walk around and feel kind of the, the life that they can get in a city. And uh, they want to, you know, I get the version of like somebody like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in a bad relationship. So I want to go out to a club and go hook up with somebody. But that, that's me. Well, what, what's your take there on Five Fathom? There's very literal, you know, it's almost like a diary uh, in, right. in, some, in some cases, you know, that uh, here I find bloody brilliant, but um, it does border on the mundane or as, as I think we're going to coin a new phrase, the McCartney-esque. Um, right. But the, the thing that just kept, I chuckled every time I heard it. Again, it's... Uh, and then I, it got a little deeper was the, was the line. I'm not immune. I love this tune. You know, right. it's, it's that she's getting, you know, she's like, Oh, okay. I'm describing how shit my life is or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I love this song, you know, and that's what right, two right, young exactly. people would, would do. So uh-huh. where, where is, uh, where is Frank Sinatra saying, stay off the funny stuff, Ringo. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so exactly. And, um, and I think we, we, we'll see that throughout as we, as we continue to, to take that further drift. So uh, Low Tide of the Night uh, is a little bit more down-tempo-ish, but also start, you know, is talking about being out, going out, you know, being out at night after bars or clubs close and trying to find a taxi and get home. But, um, but it also has some very deep things about, like, all right, I have, you know, I have all these problems, but I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to tell my friends. I don't want to tell my family about all these issues I'm having. And back to your point uh, uh, before about the whole album, it's, it's a very English thing to do to say, I don't want to trouble somebody else with all the turmoil that's going on in my life. So I'm just going to kind of swallow it uh, and, and kind of ignore it. I love the, the tech check, the, the late nineties tech check, uh, yeah. you know, to, to, and in her isolation, she doesn't answer the phone. Right. Um, she and, and instead of saying, you know, we call it voice. Uh, well, before voicemail, it was the answering machine. She goes, I let it yeah. roll to the answer phone. Um, yeah. And I like the fact that in 1999, she's still walking around with a Walkman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Yeah. You have to remember that as futuristic as this album can sound at sometimes there. It's also it was also done in 1999, 1998. So, you know, you're just talking Walkman. You're not talking about iPhones or, you know, probably people had cell phones, but, you know, not in wide use. At mm-hmm. as well. so, yep. So uh, Blame, the next track, um, I, I, I had some, you know, it, it only, it probably about five listens ago when I figured out, I'm like, is she talking about, did, did, is there some sort of like an adoption, an abortion, some sort of issue there. I, I couldn't, it, the, the lyrics kind of threw me purposely. They seem purposefully impressionistic. Um, but there's all this talk of like, um, you know, I, I gave you away, you, you know, you know, who's your daddy now, you know, can, you know, would he take me into? So it, it sounds to me that it was almost somebody writing on the terms of somebody who had to give up a baby for adoption. 
and is now, you know, trying to either get in touch with or check up on that, uh, that child and, uh, and, and how they're doing. But I don't know. It, I could be also completely misreading it and, and thinking it, you know. Well, no, that's be- interesting. I didn't get that. And, um, I got, uh, the, the, you know, her best friend, also a woman. They may have also had a um, okay, yeah, a love you relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, bisexual. Uh, and then, um, but you know, not young, poor, or, or and I mean that. But who's your daddy now? Do you think he'd take me too? I mean, I literally went right to be. Well, it sounds to me like this one one hundred percent could have been a Smith song. Right. You know, this has exactly. Morrissey loathing all over it. Right. Um, exactly. You know. All right. Well, we weren't good for each other um, because the English were. I was going to say, you know, slightly more progressive than us in this in 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 these in homosexual relationships. Certainly, by this point, things were starting to right. open up there as as it was here. Um, it was more out in the open. So to speak, right. um, but I got yeah. the feeling like they were fluid. I guess is what people would say today, and yeah. uh, her partner, her friend, or flatmate, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. f- took up with an older man. Yep. And you know the all right. Well, I'm kind of down on my. Uh, you're you're in this great life, mm-hmm. right? You're now being taken care of. Um, uh, that daddy thing, which is creepy in and of itself. Right. Um, yep. um, but is a, a, a thing, you know? Yep. Uh, so you see, that was the thing. I, I kept on going between those two interpretations. Yours is much, you yours mentioned. is much more innocent and not so, uh, exactly. uh maybe weird it's for a man my, my age yeah. to jump to that conclusion. So maybe I need to spend some time in deep meditation. <laughs> Okay, so let's go from that <laughs> that interpretation to a, a scary situation uh, in the um, song Hatfield 1980. Mm. So it, it it seems like basically I, I took this as kind of a uh, a lament on the death of you know of life in suburbia and you know all these places in suburbia are just dead and deserted and um, they're they're now dangerous. They're more dangerous than cities because. You know, they were, you know, they have these pedestrian walkways. They're like, okay, it'll get you away from cars, but now they're just making it more dangerous for people to jump you and, and stab you. And, uh, just a, a very, a very, uh, interesting and odd, um, approach to a song. Uh, and it was the song that got me into this album and I love this song, but, uh, like I, I still, you know, it's, it's a very, it's basically about somebody who got, uh, jumped mm-hmm. and knifed, and uh, and the the singer, the the point of view of the singer is somebody who had basically had to take care of somebody who happened to, to have that, and how that event is basically tied to kind of the death of you know suburban uh, life. Yep, I got that one as well. A very descript, um, yep. you know. Again, the, we go back to the diary, you know. Uh, again, the McCartney esque almost woke up. You know, got out of bed. Like, okay, yeah. you know, we're, we're we're seeing how the math was done here, but but it is a, a heartbreaking, um, and I do believe, you know, I, I got the death of a, I don't maybe a neighborhood. I didn't necessarily put it yeah. with suburbia until I went. Oh well, that it was not a city, uh, Hatfield. Right. Um, the so I think um, I did hear though that uh, Trump is going to start using this one in some of his uh, ads attack. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, all right, temperamental. Uh, a a very um, speaking of Donald very, Trump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, a, a very danceable. You know, this is a, a prime example of their ability to mix the you know groove and beats with a very uh, a song about basically what a nightmare it is to deal with a temperamental and in the case of our president temperamental child mm-hmm. who acts like a baby every time something doesn't go his way but this is just a temperamental lover and you know every, i don't know what i'm going to get at any any time i say anything to you and basically the message is i don't want you to love me i yeah i want out of this relationship because it's you know it's you know dealing with a temperamental person's like uh, is just too much to do. Oh, and it's a it's a fuck you song. I mean, to the nth yeah. degree. It, it it not only do I not love you, I don't want you to love me anymore. Right. Exactly. Yep. There you go. Uh, compression is just basically a big, you know, a dance groove, a seven minute instrumental drum and beat, and this is, uh, you know, basically the height of, you know, you could call it acid house. You could call it drum and mm-hmm. bass. Um, trip hop that just a a dance groove that i'm sure was put on you know the b-sides of uh of uh 12 inch singles that uh, all these uh songs came out on. Mm-hmm. yep uh let's go flip over let's go the the uh the second half of the album downhill racer well hey sorry one song. just uh, what i like about compression is is it breaks it up it, it's the end of that first side and it it's okay we're, here's all this like hard here just now think about what we've just said for the last you know five songs or four songs or whatever it is mm-hmm. it's a you know <laughs> it's a palate cleanser right exactly yep for for sure <laughs> All right, so uh, Downhill Racer, this is yet another song about a bad relationship, the end of a relationship, uh, basically saying she's not going to come uh, give anybody another chance, uh, that this relationship is so bad and so toxic that she can't, um, she, she can't go on anymore and she can't give another chance. She, you know, she could almost like you, but she really can't get into it. So, uh, Lullaby of Clubland, uh, basically playing playing off Lullaby of Broadway, um, and again, we're dealing with a breakup, uh, you know, and you know, basically, her. It seems that the the person singing point of view is they need to get out, they need to be away from this toxic relationship, and the best thing to do is being out on a pack street at 2 a.m. after a night of clubbing um, and they want to get get over it. So basically, all right, let me go to a bar. Let me find somebody and let me uh, take them home. Get under it. So. Yeah. And this this one to me is uh, I'll take more Marcy for 1000, Alex. Uh, I mean, it's even she even it, it, her phrasing yeah. uh, and the way she sings, you know, we're like in the back of her throat a little like you know uh, uh my rudolph when she's clowning around that kind of stuff like i yep. got that like oh she's singing like morrissey here yep um and then there's the the whole like like you said you know i i it's a bit subject subjective you know i'm into right. you get into me but i love the you know it, it's and there's a there's uh, desperateness here yeah um, exactly. you know so right it's, it's it's i saw you over there i don't know who you are i don't know if i right. want to know who you are right and exactly. then she's nervous i i have no coat are you here by yourself uh right. like i'm really into you 
even mm-hmm. though we've we've I, I've been doing all the talking <laughs> here. Um, right. When are you going home? You should get into me. Like like right. let's can we get away from this place right now? Because I'm I'm desperate to feel something. So I didn't get necessarily a breakup. I got just a very sad, lonely person who has um, you know put. And actually, now that I think about it more, there could be a bit of a, a, a sequencing here because um, if downhill river is the end of that relationship and putting up the walls, mm-hmm. uh, uh, lullaby of clubland is okay. I still have the walls, but I'm I don't want my walls up, but they're yeah. there. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm going to go to this place where y- you have to partake in a communal activity. Remember those? Um, But you're still very, I found it very, I'll say it this way. I find it very interesting that a lot of introverts Mm -hmm. were clubbers uh, because they could, uh, you know, blend into a a room and they, they could lose themselves. They could feel like they were being social, but they didn't have to talk to anyone. So let's jump. We'll jump into no difference, which is again, uh, to, to what you were just saying. It's again, this is another person in a bad relationship who wants to go out and get away from it. Um, but this one starts with, you know, kind of like you were saying there, there's a progression here in that, she at first it starts like, all right, you can stay at home and fix yourself a drink and drown in your drink, drown in your sorrows. Um, and I'm just going to go out and get away from it. And it doesn't make a difference to me what you do. But as the song goes on, as it, as it keeps, uh, as we keep hearing it, she keeps changing the lyrics and saying, you know what? I, I want to go out and I want to be with you. And it does make a difference to me what you do and what you say and what, uh, you know, you sitting at home and doing nothing. It makes a difference. I, I need you to, you know, I, I think it'd be good for our relationship if you came out with me and you went out and, and did things and didn't sit at home and drown your sorrows and, and do your own thing. Yes, I 100% agree. And I love the prophetic uh, line, you watch the phone like it was the TV. So there's a bit of, so again, this is in the era before smartphones. So you would not be watching the phone, your phone, the phone, uh, if you weren't waiting for a call from someone else. So either it's his rugby mates or, uh, or she's aware that there's another girl. Right. Exactly. It's funny. I, I, I'd forgotten where that lyric was, but I want to point it out because it's funny that exactly what you said, that term at the time was somebody saying like, oh, I'm watching the phone, meaning I'm looking for it to ring. I'm waiting for it to ring. I, um, I'm anticipating it to ring. Now, 20 years on, <laughs> it has a completely different uh, feeling, you know, because it's something I say to my three kids all the time. You just sit there looking at your phone, at, you know, that you, they spend, you know, 10 hours a day, eight hours a day staring at a phone. But that's, you know, they're watching TikTok videos and YouTube and whatever it is they're doing. You know, now I'm going to sound like a a get off my lawn, angry old white man. (laughs) So, but uh, uh, yeah, it's a a funny, uh, funny dichotomy there. As you were saying uh, before about, you know, you, you can start to sense a pattern. I do think as the last song on this album, it does kind of is a very upbeat song it's called the future of the mm-hmm. future stay gold and it ends the album on a note of i'm looking i want to forget and get rid of the past and i want to look towards the future and a better life a new relationship a new a new world now funnily enough our last record album club um 
had the song Ding Dong Ding Dong, George mm-hmm. Harrison, which basically said, all right, we all had a crappy year. Let's get rid of the old and bring in the new. Let's start anew. Very much the same theme here. Maybe we have the, uh, maybe you and I, Robert, have the issues here that <laughs> we're looking at albums talking about crappy years gee 2020 I, I, hasn't been a crappy year i think i i don't think we're the only ones <laughs> so so yeah I, but uh, what would you would you think of, of that song or the lyrics well, it, it, i agree with you it uh it to me it started out to me like it, it could have been a door song um mm-hmm. you know uh, with a, you know like we're you know, we're very high and we're we've now enlightened our minds and we're gonna you know kind of go mm-hmm. in deep on something but then there is that as this record is famous for wicked despair uh and then the more things change the more they stay the same yep um i to, to your point um i this would be if somebody were saying to me could you make a covid playlist that capsule encapsulates this the last nine months of this year mm-hmm. This would be definitely on that. So I just thought about this and, and allow me this Ken Lux-like digression <laughs> here, Robert. When you saw the title of this song, Stay Gold, Future of the Future, Stay Gold, did your mind go to um, The Outsiders, S.E. Hinton? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. Stay Gold, Pony Stay Boy. Stay Gold, Pony Boy, now, right. <laughs> now, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't think of two things more different in this world than, you know, uh, S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders, the Soch, Dally, Soda Pop, all those guys, and you know, you know, songs about British people in the late 1990s going to clubs. But uh, maybe there is some sort of connection there. No, I think that Stay Gold is a uh, it's an expression, right? I mean, it's like stay right. classy. Right. Exactly. Sure. All right. So that's it. Uh, and let's talk about um, where do we go from here? What happens after this album? Uh, what what goes on? influences and and uh and and the like uh robert uh what do you what do you think here so my question for you with and i stopped my research after you know (laughs) i wanted to go clean uh as Uh as part of this uh exercise is right yep are ben watt and tracy (laughs) thorne still together because if he wrote all the lyrics and she's singing the lyrics this Uh like was he trying to tell her uh like like john lennon and norwegian wood tried to tell cynthia they had an affair without telling her that he had so he wrote a song about how he dodged an affair or a one night stand are they together yeah, amazingly so they are. Well, based on anything I can pull off the internet, it looks like they they weren't even married at the time, but they were. They had just had two kids, but they got married in 2008, and they were still together. Now, he, he just some things that kind of are remarkable to me. Um, this album comes out in '99, and as we just went through, it's all about all these breakup, end of relationship songs. Yet. Um, and th- and these guys never release another album of their own music again. They release a kind of they put together a compilation of other people's songs called Back to Mine, which is uh, I think they, uh, some record label asked a bunch of British acts to do to basically put together like, hey, what music do you listen to after you come home from the club or come home from the bar? Uh, and they did one that was in 2001 under the and it was released as Everything But the Girl. But after that. Um, Tracy Thorne had an album in 2007, one in 2010, one in 2012, one in 2018. Ben Watt had one in 2014, 2016, 2020. They, um, 
you know, she appeared on his record label. She released stuff. They still live together. They have two kids together. Yet they never got, they never release anything else as everything but the girl, which just something, you know, taking that fact with the combination of what we just discussed with all these lyrics, it's, it's very incongruous. I don't, I can't quite explain it. If you were to tell me like, all right, this was their last album together and they never spoke to each other again, that would be a little bit more believable than what the actual facts well, are. So, and that brings up a very interesting point in that, the, and and shows the genius of yeah. of certainly Ben's writing and but them together. So, um, you know, maybe that it it, it, it uh, as as a couple they're stronger than ever, and maybe they're just really good observers, right? right I mean, sure. you know, Bob Dylan never did work outside of a fishing, you know, on a fishing boat outside of Delacroix uh, that right, we know exactly. of. Uh, yeah. But yet, you know, he can write it and you are there, right? So right. Dylan, for example, is a great observer. Most songwriters are great, are great observers. So yeah, it, sure. it, it, it could be that they, um, you know, they got together as they were kids, but then, you know, they don't, they, they didn't need each other in, it, it, they, the art worked through them for everything mm-hmm. but the girl, which is why they can continue to live together and, and work together, but they don't need to be, they don't need to do that because they've, they've right. done that already. Now, as you were just talking, something interesting popped into my mind, which I think sure. is, you know, if we're really going to try to uh, analyze this particular record, very interesting is in that, um, especially with uh, um, the future of the future. Mm-hmm. So the record is put together in 98-99. There was a lot of trepidation about the millennium. And, you yeah. know, we're, was everything going to stop when we got sure, to 2000? Yeah. Why 2 po- Right. Uh, you know, that was a very real uh, yeah, thing right. uh, yeah. on everyone's mind. And I, I wonder if they worked all of that out. I would have to, mm-hmm. you know, I think we'd have to listen to what, Tracy did, you know, years later, and they just and pop. They probably also just stopped because they had kids, you know, yeah, and exactly. they were being good parents. Right. Um, not that you're being a bad parent if you continue to release music, you know what I mean? But maybe that was their right. focus. Yeah, that sure, w- without a doubt. We need to be um, appreciative of our artists and yep. feel the music that we get from them is a gift, and not to expect. It, it all the time. Um, yeah, and I, one one thing I do want to add to uh, one of the points you made in there was I had read that this album was recorded after um, they had had they had twins. I want to say in 1998. So she basically uh, at one point I think in her book she mentioned that she felt like she was a guest appear she was a guest star on her own album right. in that he was basically doing all the work on the beats and the tunes and everything like that. And he would just basically say, all right, here's the song, here's some lyrics. Can you, you know, when you get some time coming in and sing them. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely, you know, I, which to your other point is exactly the, all the more remarkable thing that this is something that he wrote and he knows kind of how, how to set it up so that it sounds like it's coming from her and her perspective and, and it, it fits with her singing and and it just works. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it makes it all the more remarkable and uh, and, and, and an amazing album. 
So, uh, well, thank you for turning me on to this record. It, it, it yeah. is definitely something that will continue to be in, in my rotation uh, and, and add it to uh, some new uh, chill mixes. Um, All right, and I, thank I, you for reminding me to wear my Drekkar Noir. <laughs> no, never wear Drekkar Noir. It's, ugh. Um, so I think that's going to wrap it up for yeah. uh, this edition of the Radio Free Jersey Record Club. Now, we're going to tell you all at the, uh, what, we're, what we're working on for the next episode so that sure. you can play along. And we mm-hmm. would love... Um, we're going to listen to uh, Help Us Stranger by the Rockin' Tours. It came out last year, so we're going yep. uh, to a fairly current record. So we invite you to listen to that as well uh, over the next yep. week. And um, between the time that you hear this, uh, please uh, you know, hit us up on social media with uh, yep. any comments that you have on your take right. of the Rockin' Tours Help Us Stranger, as well as anything else that we've talked about. Yes, and or uh, if you want to uh, suggest anything we might want to do after that, after we get uh, we uh, listen to uh, "Help a Stranger" by the Record Tours, uh, we're we're open for suggestions for anything else that may uh, strike your fancy. We're building um, a list. I'm looking forward to this really this recording this one because this will be the first album in our record club, which will be an actual record club. Both Robert and I will have the album on vinyl, mm-hmm. uh, and we will listen to it in the vinyl experience uh, a couple of times. I will probably do some additional listening on uh, Spotify. No, yes, and I, I'm going to jump in here and say I encourage you and everybody else in the audience who's going who's gonna to play along with us for the next week. If you have Spotify, I encourage the vinyl release uh, always. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep. you, when you listen on Spotify, you should give a listen while, and I don't recommend this often, looking at your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I'm not going to give away what it is, but you need to not only listen, but you need to look at your phone while this record is playing on Spotify. Excellent. All right. Thank you all for, for listening and following along. It was, this was a great episode to record on our end. I hope you guys all enjoyed it and I hope you back, you come back for more. Uh, in the meantime, why don't you follow us on social media, uh, on Twitter at Radio Free Jersey, at Instagram at Radio Free Jersey and online RadioFreeJersey.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Radio Free Jersey Record Club is written and produced by Michael Marinello and Robert Mathers. Music by Alibi. I'm Craig Peterson for Exit 30 Media. Stay safe, stay classy, and for sake, wear a mask.